0: Good morning, good morning, Rabbotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Uh, today we got the class before the Breakfast in the Class. So, Baruch Hashem Zachinu. Uh, breakfast today is dedicated in loving memory of Jacques Bohbot. Halava Shalom, Lilun Ishmat, Ben Mira, sponsored by Gabriel Amos. Hazako Baruch. Breakfast and the class also sponsored today. Uh, it's a delay in the sponsoring in honor of my birthday for Rabbi Shlomo Farhi, and as well, thank you, and as well for uh, Esther Almog, whose birthday also it was uh, also was on, uh, on uh, Friday, uh, what's it called, and that is sponsored anonymously. Um, as well, Breakfast and Class Loving Memory, li'ilui nishmat, Abraham, Hajibay Ben, Dina, and Mashiach, sponsored by his granddaughters, Caroline, Caroline Veronique, and Jennifer Hajibei. And as well, the week of cold brew is uh, dedicated loving memory of Sami Syed, alava shalom, li'ilui nishmat, of Menirvka, sponsored by his son Isaac Sayer. Baruch. My friends, this is my Bar Mitzvah Parasha. Vayikra. Vayikra, Moshe. Think so. Okay. Yeah. So I, can't, I have to look at it carefully afterwards to make sure I'm not going to give you the wrong bracha. I wouldn't want to tell someone the wrong bracha to do. <laughs> so um, the the amazing the amazing. The amazing thing about the parasha, about this parasha, is that whilst it is a parasha, it's the first parasha in the seder, in the, uh, in the order of Korbanot, which seems to be a, a parasha which we would have less, we would have very little to do with. You know, you think about our connections to the parasha, we relate to the stories of Cain uh, and of jealousy between brothers. We relate to the story of Adam Ishon when someone is tempted by sin, And then they have to do Teshuvah and rebuild after that mistake. We relate to these stories of Abraham, Itzhak, Yaakov, sacrifice, brothers fighting, reconciliation. We relate to all these ideas. And then comes almost an entire sefer which discusses in intricate detail the laws of the sacrifice of Korbanot or the Beit HaMikdash, which are in many ways um, not, they're not our everyday occurrences. They don't relate to or speak to our daily lives so it would seem that this is something which should be the domain of great scholars and the truth is actually there's a jewish tradition that when you start teaching jewish children to learn torah where do you teach them from you teach them from sefer vayikra so the very first thing that we learned in school was even before bereshit we learned the beginning of vayikra and the chachamim explained that one of the reasons for this jewish tradition is that when you start off a child learning, a child is starting to learn to engage in the process of Torah, we start them from the holiest foundation, from a spiritual place. So before we can get to anything else, you take the holiest the holiest people in Am Yisrael, the children that have never made any Avonot, and you have them read about the Korbanot to be able to uh, enact, if you will, through our reading, through our learning, the process of bringing the Korbanot in the embodiment of someone who's completely pure. Now. Although that is true, there are also many very important lessons hidden within the pesukim and uh, hidden within the korbanot. So as an example, when someone brings a korban, a Khatat, they bring a, a sin offering uh, after a the woman gives, pre- she gives birth, she was pregnant. Why does she do that? The Gemara explains that in the throes of pregnancy, she swears that she'll never be with her husband again. Because she doesn't want to experience the pain that she's feeling so the Torah is even in the process of teaching you the laws of the korban that this person gives well the korban that that person gives it gives you it teaches you gives you insight into human nature and how we react in times of pain and in times of suffering and the things that we say that ultimately we might come to regret so i want to focus on one such lesson with you today that comes from the from the from the pasuk now, we're familiar with the idea, the first concept that's communicated in, in Sefer Vayikra. It begins and tells us, tells us that God called to Moshe, Me'o'el Mo'ed Lemor. God spoke to him from the O'el Mo'ed, from the tent of meeting from the Mishkan. Okay, what did he say to him? So the introductory Pasuk tells us God spoke to Moshe, tells us where he spoke to him from, and maybe we'll discuss a little bit about that tomorrow. But what was the message, the first message, if you will? The opening sentiment of the parashah is Adam ki akriv mikem korban namurai, A person who uh, will sacrifice from amongst you korban, a korban to Hashem. And um, I'd like to focus just on, on that one word. <clears throat> because there's a lot that's hidden in that one word. Adam ki akriv mikem. Why do we use the word Adam over here? You didn't need to say that word. In fact, you could have said, right? Ki when you bring a korban, right? Min haolam, min carry on and tell me the different types of korbanot that I could bring. What is the expression of Adam ki akrib mikem? It's like we wanted to say the word Adam. So the simple interpretation, if you take a look, Rashi already brings, he quotes the Gemara, the Gemara makes a that just as Adam Alishon was alone in Gan Eden, which means that he owned everything in Gan Eden, so he, when he brought his korban, did not bring it from something that was stolen, so too, when you're gonna bring a korban, don't bring a korban from something which is stolen, okay? So again, maybe we'll spend more time on this as well during the week. But we see that Rashi, quoting Gemara, already realized that there's this extra word here called Adam didn't need to say it to the point that we then need to make a dirasha as to why it's there. Okay? Now, the reason why this is very important is because it tells us that there's a lot hidden in this word. I always thought this a uh, very uh, powerful idea. You know, we do the silichot, we have Yigal with us today this morning, what a zechot, you know, and um, I, I, uh, I always remember that right in the beginning of sil- silichot, what, what's the first thing we sing? Adam <Sung> Right? Ben <Sung> Adam Before we're going to talk about the sins that we have. About the, the people that we messed over, the lies that we told, the people that we hurt. You know, about everything that we did wrong with Shabbat and with prayer, with our relationship with God, with our relationship with others, with parents, with spouses. All the things we say sorry for in, in the actual Selichot. In different ways. Before we do that, we start with an opening sentiment. And the opening sentiment mirrors what we're seeing over here in Vayikra. Ben Adam, Oh, son of man, son of human. Why What are you, what are you doing? Sleeping. Kum Get up, right, and pray and ask for forgiveness. Hashem will give you forgiveness if you do so. What is this? It sounds like an interesting line. Is that like the alarm clock? You know? Ben Adam, Malikhan Adam. Yo, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Right, is that the, you know, if I'm here in shul, I'm not sleeping no more. It used to be maybe the Chaza, the, if the Gabai would have been walking through the streets singing, Ben Adam, as how loud as he could in the streets of Jerusalem, that I understand. That's the wake-up call. But giving me the wake-up call here in shul so, so Mark is saying, yeah, yeah, that's true. There's people that sleep in shul. I think though, Ben Adam should be recited numerous times throughout the tefillah. <laughs> should, we should keep pausing it like an advertisement break where every time the rabbi sees, you can have like that button from Staples, you know? <laughs> that was easy. Remember that button, right? You have that button, you push it, and all of a sudden the crowd breaks out in Ben Adam, while you are sleeping? So what's actually going on over here? <clears throat> So I want to share with you a beautiful idea from Rabbi Galinsky. He points out something unbelievable. The Pasuk says, Adam Arishon, this first man who carried that title, Adam. Go back to the beginning of time. When God created man, Hashem, Hashem turned to the Malachi HaSharet and He said, nah, say Adam let's, let, shall, let's, shall we make let's make man. And the angel said, what is this man that you speak of? What is it? And Borei Olam said to them, He says, His wisdom is greater even than yours. He brings to these Malachim every animal under the sun. And they don't know. He says, what's this? They say, they don't know. What's this? They say, they don't know. What's this? They say, I don't this? they say, I don't know. He brings Adam. He creates Adam. And Adam calls the name of each animal right? It says And Adam called, uh, uh, what's it called? the name of each animal according to its name. This is, this is what it was named, this is what its name is. The Chachamim tell us that the name that Adam gave, he didn't just throw consonants together. The name of each animal was an exposition, a description <clears throat> for the makeup of that animal. So as an example, if you look at Rabino Bahaye, you'll see he discusses in detail the nature of Aryeh, the nature of Shor, of Hamor, these things that Adam called the animals, why the nature of that animal is present in the name itself that Adam gave it. So you see, there was tremendous wisdom in Adam in you know, understanding the nature of every animal. And yet, my friends, when it came to Adam himself, so they asked Adam, okay, so what's your name? And what does Adam say? <laughs> I should be called Adam. Why? Shinivreti min ha'adamah because I was created min ha'adamah from the earth. Now that's a very strange thing for Adam Rishon to say. You know, if you met people in this world that are the lowest of the low, sometimes you meet someone who's literally a piece of dirt. That's a guy you should call Adama because he was taken from Adama, from the dirt. Right? Could you imagine you meet someone like Chacham You meet someone uh, who is of a tremendously exalted status and stature. I meet my rabbi, Rabbi Berkowitz, in Israel. person who's tamih hacham, anav, perfected his midot throughout his whole life. Super special person. People you don't meet all the time. You're going to tell me about that person that we should call him dirt? It's a strange thing, isn't it? Not only that, is that the entire makeup of a man? Kizekola Adam. The entire makeup of the man is the fact that he's dirt. I mean, what about his soul? Why didn't they call Adam Arishon Nishama? Because he had a Nishama. Why didn't Adam decide to call himself? Why didn't he call himself above and beyond the dirt that he came from? Why didn't Adam Arishon call himself Chacham? Which actually was the answer that God gave the Malachim when they asked him, Why are we creating man? And he said, my friends, the answer is actually very powerful. Adam Harishon was unbelievable. I mean, the level Adam Harishon was on, the Midrash says that his, his um, excuse me, Mahara, the uh, Ramkal says that the, if you were to try and fathom the, the physical form of Adam Harishon, his physical form was compared to our spiritual form. Again, I want you to understand the depth of what that means. So, never mind his spiritual state. His physical state was comparable to our spiritual state. Let me go one step further. <clears throat> the Gemara tells us about uh, Rabbi Bana'ah. Rabbi Bana'ah was uh, one of the great rabbis in the Jewish history. And he managed to get a chance to go into the Ma'arat Machpelah. Anyway, he goes, he goes into the Ma'arat HaMachpelah, the Gemara Batra, Nunchet. He goes into the Ma'arat HaMachpelah and he sees the place that Avraham is buried Yitzhak, Sarah, Rifka, right? Uh, he, sees, he sees Yaakov, he sees Leah. Now he wants to go into the inner chamber and, to see Adam, and there he can't go. But what does he see? He sees the, the Akevav, the heels of Adam Arishon. I'm just going to read to you what it says. Nistakalti b'shnei akevav, I looked at his two heels. V'domim l'shnei galgalei And they looked like two fiery suns, like the sun in the sky, his heels. The Maharal says, if you look at the body of a human being, there is no dirtier place on the body, darker place on the body, so to speak, than the heels right that's the place which is walking around all the time gets dirty is cleaned the least etc cetera, etc cetera. has the most exposure to the earth to dust and dirt and it's the part of the body that a person doesn't clean as much as other parts of their body so it's from two sides it's the darkest place and what is the brightest spot in our entire existence in our in our planet is the sun in the sky so his lowest darkest place in the eyes of Rabbi Bana'a was like the brightest place in our entire planet and universe, at least in the universe that we can see with the naked eye, okay? There are fiery suns many times the size of our sun out there in space, but we cannot see them with the naked eye, okay? So this is what Rabbi Bana'a says about Adam Arishon. And what does Adam say about himself? Adam, from the earth. What does that mean? What is the concept? And the answer, my friends, is is, is very, very powerful. Um, the answer is, it's true. To call Adam, harishon Adam, is a gross miscarriage of justice. It can be comparable, Chachamim uh, explain it, um, to the Gemara that says that they were makpid terribly, and there's a terrible punishment for people who used to call the Aaron HaKodesh, the holy ark in the temple, they would just call it Aaron, a cabinet. Now, they didn't mean to call it that. Now, by the way, in our parlance, do you ever catch yourself saying, what's in the Kodesh HaKodeshim? The Aron. Just saying Aaron, which means cabinet or closet in Hebrew, is, is, a, is a, uh, a punishable offense, because you're degrading something of great value, of great holiness. Another example is the Maharil Diskin used to say all the time. He would take umbrage with people who would call the Western War. What would they call it? The Kotel. Kotel means war. That's what you're going to call the Kotel Maravi. War. We all call it the Kotel. Okay. But he felt that was inappropriate because you're understating the holiness of this thing. So here's a person that Rabbi Benayahu is describing his heels like the sun, and 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 his, and he calls himself earth, dust, dirt? And the answer uh, is, is, uh, is very powerful. The answer is, my friends, yes. The greatest wisdom, the greatest wisdom of Adam HaRishon was to be able to be aware of the heights of his possibilities, but also the nadir of his zenith, the, the depth of the abyss that he was capable of. This being that was created of earth in the spirit, in the image of God has limitless potential to do unbelievable things. But then every once in a while you see such a great and grand person debased in such a difficult and horrible way. You know, I imagine that this is the case, you know, with many of the people that you'll read about uh, now today in the news every day, on, uh, on social media and on WhatsApp in the community, there are people that, other than what they're doing to their wives, you know, you meet the guy in school, very nice guy, we're talking about the guy's a monster, we're talking about the guy's an abuser, he's so nice, he's so sweet, he's so kind. One time I saw him even helping someone, I don't know, whatever, right? You look at a person like that. Now, does that mean that the person, because he's a violent, horrible person in the walls of his own home is violent and horrible to everyone in the world? No, quite often the nature of abusers is such and they are dangerous to that level because specifically of this problem, that they are capable of directing their anger, their animosity, their violence and their poison at a very specific group of people. So to other people, you might never know which is, I think, why we're experiencing this outpouring now uh, of people coming forward. Like, you know, let's take it away for a minute from the, what's going on with the, the get refusers for a second in our community. But let's go for one second to what's gone on in, uh, in, in Albany. You know, you have a guy, he's the, you know, the, the, uh, the governor of, of, of New York State. For years and years and years, nobody says anything. Zero, nothing, all of a sudden, one woman after the next woman after the next. I think there's six or seven or eight. You know, each time he gets accused, he opens up the capacity of the restaurants a little bit more. I don't know if you noticed that, right? You know. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, we hate Cuomo. Oh, Baruch Hashem Cuomo, 65%. You know, someone said, we're one more accuser away from having restaurants operating at 125% capacity, right? Now, the point is, you know, here's a guy, and you wonder what's going on. And sometimes our reaction to such a thing like that is that, oh, you know what? It must not be true. Why are they coming forward now, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? If it's true, and they're not just jumping on the bandwagon, how come they didn't say it at the time? Well, a lot of the reason they didn't say it at the time is because they experienced a disbelief. They, they told people and people said no, they didn't believe it, what do you mean? I see the guy, he can't be, he's so nice, he's so this. But all of a sudden when one person comes out and people start to believe them, other people say, oh, well, maybe people will listen to me as well. And I think the shame, I think uh, the stigma of these things are finally dissipating. I think as well, what we're hearing from people themselves, whether it's Michelle, whether it's Yvette, whether it's Esther, whether it's Chava, is that they thought that, you know, what's the point of having this spotlight on me? And it's humiliating, you know, on the one hand, what's going on out there is very special. You know, the, but people don't realize it's great for them. It's also horrible for them. It's amazing for all of these women that the pressure that's being brought to bear by social media that we've now found, Baruch Hashem, another good use for, even though it has so many horrible uses, okay? The downside for these people is it takes over every aspect of their life. Suddenly they become known, not as a human being, but as this victim. That victimhood spreads itself like a blanket over the entire person. And that's how they become known, and that's how their families become known, to the point that now you meet someone like that or their family in the street, and unfortunately, oh, you're the person from, you're that case, and they become a case. And it's very hard, and a lot of times, they actually decide for themselves um, that it's worth going through this because the pain is so difficult, and it's worth, uh, it's worth the escape. But my friends, I think this is the point. You know what the greatest gift of Adam Arishon was? and perhaps this was the great chokhmah of Adam, is that Adam says, I know that I can be great. And I know that I have great things about me and to me and for me. I know all of that, okay? However, however, I also know that I was made of earth and there's a part of me that returns to that in my lowest moments, think of that. When we use these words, when a person is in their lowest moments, where are they? They're their closest to the earth from whence they came. The el afar tashuv. Sometimes we return to literally, again, I'm using these words on purpose, to our most base elements. And in those moments when we are angry or jealous, or you know, we, we find ourselves saying things that sound a lot like something that a monster would say. And then we have to check ourselves and say, Am I a human being who's saying something that sounds like a monster? Or am I a monster who sometimes masquerades as a human being? When God said to the malach, His wisdom is greater than yours. You know what God was referring to? The angels didn't know it yet. But very soon, very soon, the angels would say to God, This is the one that you sent to be inhabit the earth. Look at what's going on with the people. Look at what's going on with human beings. Send us down. Those are called the Nephilim. God sent angels down. He gave them human form. The Pasuk talks about it at the end of Bereshit. We read all about it and what happens? They mess up a hundred times worse than any of the humans and they cause a devastation and, uh, and, and, and sorry? and the giants that are born from those, from those unions, but they cause a, uh, adulterous relationships on levels that the humans didn't do. So you see the concept of Adam was a person who could make a mistake, but recognize that there were, there were frail, there's frailty in him, there's earth in him, there's base in him, and that I, if I could realize that I can make these mistakes, then you know what I can do? Then I can actually do Teshuvah, which is what Adam HaRishon did, after he made his mistake. We don't find the angels making Teshuvah. Why? That's Chochmato Mirubah He looked at himself, and he saw, along with all the great things, the potential for failure, the potential for weakness. And he called himself that, so that he'd remember, while he was the king of the entire world, and the top of the food chain, he'd remember from whence he came, and to where he could return at a moment's notice. The angels, Consider themselves angels, God's gift to the world. And therefore when they fell, these fallen never stood up again. That's why our parasha begins by saying, we're about to talk about kapara. We're about to talk about the parashah, the parashiyot that discuss all of the sacrifices. And korban, as we know, is a euphemism for korban, something that brings one close to God. The very first thing that we begin with in the journey of closeness to God is in our ability to recognize the distance that we have allowed to creep in between us and Him. And how, when we are acting as our lowest selves, we find ourselves so far away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what is the first word of Vayikrav, coming close to God, is the recognition of the mistakes that we have the propensity to make, recognizing this part of ourselves, which if we are not careful to be aware of and to silence, Um, that will actually bury us in the ground itself from which we were made. And that's why the opening call as well of the Silichot calls out to this part of us, Ben Adam, Malecha Nirdam, why are you sleeping? It's a very pointed line. A lot of times we don't realize in the Sidur or in the Tefilot how deep these words are. Ben Adam, son of man, why are you sleeping? What's that referring to? When Adam HaRishon was first made, it says that Adam HaRishon, he was considered by the angels. They thought he was God himself. They wanted to say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. They didn't know what this being was because they had never been such a being before. What did God do to show them that Adam HaRishon was not God, that he was not, the, uh, he was not so to speak, God himself? What did he do? Vayapel alav tardemah. God caused a sleep to come upon Adam Arishon, okay? And in that sleep, that's when Adam was given this partner of Chava. So this sleep represented, number one, Adam's weakness, Adam's frailty. It represented the fact that Adam needed a wife to set him straight. He needed a wife to complement all the rough edges of himself. So where do we see Adam's needs, Adam's necessities, Adam's needs for perfection? in his sleep and therefore we start by saying ben adam malakha Nirdam, baruch adonai leolam amen v'amen. rabbi